I'm Sydney. And I'm Peyton. And welcome to our SJM Universe bonus episode on the Let's Get Booked Up pod. Okay, on our last SJM Takeover episode, we talked about Air of Fire Part 1, and so we left everyone in pretty different scenarios. So we've got Kaol and Adian, they have teamed up, and they are working with the Allsbrook family to kind of sabotage the king. We left Rowan and Selena in her training, and she's like getting better and stronger and kind of finally finding her real true power. And we left off Dorian and Sorsha. Uh, nothing much has happened with them except they love each other and lots of cuddle time. That's kind of it. And we left Manon training Abraxas and trying to kind of get him. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was literally thinking about the fact I'm like, is she giving him modifications or is she giving him accommodation? <laughs> so we're not changing the task. Because... The task is... But we are giving him the tools to succeed instead of changing the outcome, yeah, so... If I were to say that someone needs a pencil grip in order to do a long writing okay. task, that okay. would be in the Okay, so yeah, that's kind of where we left everyone. So we're going to start off with our favorite besties, Kaol and Adian. They are post-opium den, opium den scare. Wowzer. You wouldn't think that's a tongue twister, but it is. And freaking Ren's just being kind of a bummer. He's like, everyone, like, I've done bad things and I can't be a lord, blah, blah, blah. And Adian's like, we've all done bad things. Yeah. Play an assassin. Chill the fuck out. We're going to have a court of badasses. Well, in general, they're laying the groundwork about some characters that we're going to see come up later. They kind of want to go, like, build Aelin's court for her so that they're ready for her. Cousins, they mentioned the pirate lord, Rolf. And they also mentioned that there's kind of some ominous threats on the horizon in general Narok. Like, Narok is, like, a big deal, and he has an armada, and they are, like, in the Dead Islands, and things are going bad, and he's heading to Wendelin. So, that's interesting. But Murtog and Ren don't know that... Aelin's and Wendelin, only Adian and Kaol know, so they're kind of like, right, right, raggy. We just kind of see the continuing of like, we're not starting a rebellion yet, but we are laying the groundwork. And also Kaol is like cooperating and informing and helping, but he's also has this weird inner turmoil of like, well, I would never do anything to hurt my king and my kingdom. It's like, well, um, first of all, your king is a psychopath. I get serving Dorian. That's that's the win. Whatever. Obviously. But you're also like looping Dorian in, so you don't know what he would want. And you are for sure helping a rebellion. Like, I don't know how he is justifying it in his head. I know, because he's like, oh, well, you know, my true king is Dorian. He's like, you might want to fill your true king in. And I get he's like, I have to protect Dorian at all costs if he knows it could be dangerous. But like... Uh, you do know that like he's got other big secrets to keep as well like he can he can handle your secrets too buddy and like i don't know dorian's got magic he's a kind-hearted guy why are we hiding the fact that like selena's aelin and that she has a court that they want to restore terrison i don't think dorian was ever going to be anti that but they're not communicating Ah! communication breakdown which just like spins totally out of control and it really puts like this diciness between Kaol and Dorian because you can tell that they're like 
I love you and like we're bros, but also like fuck you, like you're not talking to me. You're isolating me. We're we're not on the same page, which is whatever. It's it's just my least favorite like fiction trope is is we're purposefully not going to communicate and hide things from each other that could really really help us both out. Mhm. Just say something. If they had communicated, maybe we wouldn't see everyone in the King's Throne room together in this awkward family reunion. You do get a lot of foreshadowing from them. Yeah. So pay attention and to them for that, I guess. That's, that's it. I'm just kidding. Her twitch, Manon. And she's still heartless, but like she's starting to love Abraxas, not that she knows what love is. And she's like, ugh, I'm feeling this feeling and I don't know what it is. And it's hilarious and so cute. The way you said that was so that was what? so brutal. Not that she knows what love is. But she knows. literally so confused. I know. But it like, is funny. I don't know what this feeling is or what that eyes <laughs> is, but like, I kind of like, ugh. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Yeah. She, um, I mean, obviously, because she's like not only training him, but also, like we said, like she's giving him an iron tipped tail and iron tipped teeth. Her first big adventure is she goes and visits these creatures that are very ominous and they're portrayed very mysteriously and creepy. Her grandma's like, yo, why has he not done all this flying that he's supposed to be doing? Like flying the gap and doing all these things. And Manon just thinks that his wings are too weak, that he hasn't grown strong enough yet. And she's tried reinforcing them and it's just not working. And she thinks that the only thing that could possibly reinforce her his wings without making them too um, too heavy is the spider silk from a creepy, crawly, old, ancient spider people. I, I don't even know how to picture them. I don't know if they're like talking spiders like in Harry Potter or what, but they are just big creepy crawlies, and she flies out to there. And the thing that we know about these spiders is that they like to make bargains. The head spider that finds her and it tells a story about how she took, I think it was 40 years from this man that she just bargained with, which is another like wink, wink, nod, nod, foreshadowing of a character that we're going to meet. But she trades her silk for 40 years of his life. And the spider's like, I don't want 40 years of your life, you witch. Like you are basically immortal. I don't need that. And so they're kind of squabbling over things. Manon ends up laying the groundwork for this little trick. Manon is haggling with the spider. And she's like, whatever, I'll give you whatever you want. But I want to inspect the silk first to like make sure that it's of high enough quality. And the spider's like, okay. And Manon knows that the spider is a little bit vain, a little bit egotistical. And she's like, there's an imperfection here. Like, what are you doing? So she gets the spiders to kind of come closely inspect it. She's like, no, look, like right here. See, see? And she's yeah. like trying to get them up close. But she and Abraxas are right on the edge of this ravine. And so as they get right up to them, Abraxas sweeps his tail and sends all of the spiders. There's like three spiders there like flying off down the ravine. And so they die. It's pretty clever. And then they just take all the silk and they said, see you later, losers. So the spiders are kind of crazy because the spiders are also descendants of the Valg. And so we know that witches are Valg and Fae mixed together makes witch. The spiders are also kind of related. Um, they're also kind of Valgy and kind of creepy and witchy. Their silk is obviously super strong and super magical. 
the witches have been here for a long time. Whenever I first read like this story for the second time, I was like, I was not even clocking that the spiders were so important at this point in time. I know. Yeah. And so it's really nice and read it and be like, whoa, they yeah. were here the whole time. I know. It's crazy how like early a lot of these things happen. Um that you kind of think happen later, but they they don't. So Manon and the 13 are kind of just preparing for their training as an army. They're training together. Abraxas still can't make the the crossing. He still can't make the big like journey between the two mountains that they're supposed to make. And Manon's grandmother is, like Sydney said, kind of being like a little suspicious that Manon is getting soft. And every time that Manon is with Abraxas she's like oh we speak our own language and then all the other witches are like no you're crazy he's an animal but the blue blood heir Petra she mentioned something about her Keely and Keely is her wyvern and she says like oh my Keely talks to me like we have conversations and everyone kind of laughs at her and calls her crazy but Manon is like oh shit me too Mm, not gonna share that out loud but (laughs) me too Keely and Petra are whenever Petra's like, yo, you good? Like, Keely wanted me to give Abraxas this goat. And they're like, I don't want your goat. But I'm like, oh, Keely loves Abraxas. I know. She has a little crush. She's like, so- my Keely told me to give this to Abraxas. And Manon's like, what? Because Manon also locks Abraxas up. She basically grounds him because he can't make the crossing and he's scared to fly. But, like, I would be scared to test out these spider silk wings as well. Okay, I would also be suspicious. So the witches kind of have to prove themselves, which is really annoying because they're um, the sickest, coolest ones here. But they have to prove themselves to the king and the king's army. They're preparing for what they are calling the war game. The 13 are already the craziest group of warriors out there i mean they are so in sync they know each other's thoughts they have been fighting and flying along each other for hundreds of years like they're already all really old even though it's witch years so it's not the same um but they're already very in sync and so you can kind of see like they're the best and they are going to win but it's manon's grandmother that's slowly Kind of being like, oh, I had so much faith in you, but now you're really disappointing me. Talking mad shit. Yeah, because all because Manon is just not some crazy bloodthirsty killing machine with absolutely zero care for anything else. Like, their standards are a little whack. They are. They're real whack. So in the war games, it's basically like, it's like capture the flag, except it's like capture the egg from this nest. I don't really know. Yeah. I honestly, I, I read through this part really, really fast because my heart's like pounding. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. So there comes a point where the black beaks attack the yellow legs and then the blue bloods swoop in because they were waiting for those other two clans to go at it. And Manon is like, oh, they're, that's actually pretty smart. They were waiting for that the whole time. But Iskra, if you remember the crazy bitch from last time who tried to kill Manon. The yellow legs. Oh, she's, oh, she's crazy. She goes after the blue blood heir, Petra, who was the one who tried to offer Abraxas some meat. And she goes after her. And one of the rules in the war games is obviously we don't want to deplenish our army. So they're like, no killing, no maiming, just pretending. And of course, 
Pretenzies, friends. <laughs> just pretenzies. And of course, do we think that Iskra is going to be like, oh, I can't kill them? Okay, cool. I'll, I'll just pretenzies. Mm. Mm. so iskra goes after petra and tries to kill her she almost does kill her but manon is watching iskra and her bull attack keely and petra and she's like mm, help them or get the egg help them or get the egg mm. and she goes after them and this is where i'm like she says she saw something in the eyes of the wyvern and she's like that that is true love that's true protection right there and i'm like yes yes Yes, go Manon. Yes, yes, yes. She's blossoming. <laughs> she is. She's like finally, you know, gaining other qualities other than what are their three words? Discipline, brutality, obedience. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, that doesn't really make a person, but okay. I, okay. It does make a witch. It, that's true. All right. My bad. My bad. Um, <laughs> but she goes after Keely and Petra and she can't save Keely, but she does recognize that Keely is trying to sacrifice herself so that Petra can live. Manon saves Petra and they still win the war games because that's just how yep. badass and awesome she is. But so after the war games, you know, Petra lost Keely and Keely's like low key of Braxis's little BFF. So Braxis is sad. Petra is so sad. She's like locked up in her room, depressed, truly depressed. And all the witches are like so confused by that. They're like, it's just your mount, you know? But it's not. It's so sweet. They have a bond. But then we kind of have the climax slash ending in general of Manon's storyline. Just in this book, obviously. And since she became wing leader and she won, they want to give her a present. And she had notoriously worn this red crocken cloak, but it got ruined sometime along the way. I remember she like rolled in poop and like a bunch of things. Like it was just gross. And so they had a new crocken witch that they had caught. And they're like, sever her head and her cloak is yours. Like, it's your kill. You earned it. And the Kraken Witch starts talking to Manon and kind of like, I feel sorry for you. Like, they made you this way. Like, you weren't born heartless. You weren't born evil. They created you to be this. And is giving this whole spiel in front of everybody. And you can see, like, kind of the, how torn Manon is in this moment. She's not necessarily like, oh, maybe the Kraken's got something to her. But you can tell that it kind of hits it hits a little bit, you know, but she's in front of everybody and she's the biggest, baddest witch here. Well, so and she says she looks at her grandmother and she sees, she said, like, there's truth to what the Kraken is saying. And she can see that in her grandmother's eyes. And the Kraken, which says some interesting things like, we know you, like, you're on the top of our list. Da, da, da. But she also says, like, y'all, like, you are the the thing that can bring us peace. And she kind of implies that it's because this generation has been raised to be brutal, but you don't know. You're like, me? Like like you as a, the individual or you as the collective you? I am confused. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's and like, you know the tools for your unserving. And Manon is intrigued. And I think that she would like to get to understand a little bit better, but she's in front of everybody and she's feeling some peer pressure. So naturally, she cuts off her head and takes her cloak. But also out of pity. Like, she kind of makes it sound like, That's you know, the, the witch, witch was, like, begging for it. Like, please, please kill me. Like, I've already been tortured. Yeah. It says, like, the look in the witch's eyes are like, just do it. So yeah. it is a little bit out of pity and a little bit out of, like, I, I have to or else I look like I'm weak and that's not acceptable here. So that's a Manon. 
Next up, we have Selena. Uh, Selena. Ah. So we start with there's a festival, there's a party going on in Windland, and Selena is. Her job that Rowan gave her is to keep the fires going all night. Like all of the bonfires, to keep them going. I just light them on fire and leave them alone. He's like, no. And Rowan's kind of like, I can just picture him like standing behind her, like mansplaining her power to her. I mean, he not exactly mansplaining because he's familiar with magic and she's not. But she kind of is treating it like yeah, I know how this works, bruh. Okay. And he's standing there like easy, easy like shut up bro but she says she's gets she's getting really sweaty and she's kind of like dancing to the music too while she's doing her fire it's, and i would if focus it's so sweet yeah um and rowan is trying to help but he's also like not letting her stop so she is uh she starts to like she's starts to not be able to hear him she starts to feel distant she starts to feel really 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 hot and she can't speak she can't if she like tries to speak she's like there's flames in my throat and it's called a burnout and so it's when a fae finds the end of their power but they can't stop and so their power basically is going to eat them alive and Mm -hmm. in her case like burn her alive so she starts to literally burn up like she's like cooking herself from the inside they throw her in an ice bath but then and I forgot about this too because I immediately when I read that I was like that's not a good idea she's boiling from the inside out and you threw her in ice but they immediately she immediately is like screaming in pain and they're like oh shit get her out get her out get her out and they put her in like she's boiling so they put her in some cool water instead and it takes her a really long time to come back from this because She's never had a burnout before, so Rowan kind of tells her, you know, how burnout works and why it happens. They have many intimate moments, and it kind of starts with uh, she's in the bath, the cool bath, and she's leaning forward, and she's got her hand on her knees. She's trying to breathe and focus and let the pain subside. Rowan, and she's naked because she's in the bath. They had to take her clothes off her. Rowan comes in. And it's said many times, like, they've seen each other. It's fine, but it's very platonic, so it's not a big deal. He sees her back. And she has so carefully tried to hide her scars from him this whole time. Her scars from Endovir when she was whipped. And he sees her back and he says the infamous words. What are our favorite words? He's like, who did this to you? Up until this point, he's like, oh, she just has an attitude and so she's so privileged and blah, blah, blah. But it now he's like, oh, she's been through it, man. So. He takes her and he puts her in his room and he's like, you can sleep in the bed tonight, but tomorrow you're getting your own car. Well, I think it's so interesting that he's like, oh, because you have scars on your back, that means you need to sleep with me. The burnout, sure, but like, that wasn't the thing. It's like his protective, like, fade dominance male thing all of a sudden just like, yes, it got him. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he eats her soup and like, and she calls him out about it. She's like, "Bro, why are you females like this? Like, get out of my throat." And he's like, "Well, we tend to, you know, have that primitive instinct to take care of our women, especially when you're hurt, and it's so much worse whenever you're mated." And I'm like, mm, "That's a bummer." And then, yeah, mm, interesting. Yikes! Fun fact there. So she 
is slowly healing and he is letting her <laughs> sleep in his bed and she never does get her own bed if she stays no. in his bed yeah um but they just continue to train she continues to get stronger and better she's better able to defend herself pretty soon they she learns how to um turn her flames like into weapons so like if she's holding a sword she can make her fire like go down the sword or she can make a sword out of fire and use it as like a shield or as a sword or as a dagger as throwing knives it's so cool very avatar the last airbender and then they kind of go back to their investigations because as you if you remember there were those bodies that were being dumped and they had been been like hollowed out to where there was nothing left and their faces were frozen like in a scream and their blood was strained so they were a husk of a person and uh they find another one and selena demands that rowan let her go with him so they're inspecting the body and she notices that the person fought back but they have marks on their hands like they were squeezing their fists together or like their hands into fists and cutting their hands and so she looks under the nails and like scoops it out and it has you know skin debris but then it also has black blood and if she scoops the black blood out Rowan's like ugh what is that goopy goopy gross black blood and Selena's like oh my god I wouldn't know that smell anywhere that is the smell basically like from the Ritterac and from things like that from um under the under the library the creature there like she recognizes the smell she's like that is from Ardalan. I don't know how they're here or why they'd be here, but that is that smell. So they go down and they kind of get to the coast and they see all of these troops and like these ships and they're they're like, oh my gosh, that one guy at the village like so long ago said that he found weapons and his fishing traps and this must be why. Like we thought it was just like an accident, but it's obviously not. This is not good. And so they want to go back and scope it out and maybe kill some people at night. And um, does not go away. No. Rowan also doesn't let her go near. And he just goes down and he investigates as his hawk. And he, uh, he comes back and he tells her that there's a bunch of soldiers down there and the general Narok is in the very back cave knows he's like oh i know what's been going on with those fey bodies that have been dumped they're experimenting on them and then just dumping them and they kind of figure out like because the the soldiers are on the coast so they've been dumping the bodies in the rivers and the water uh to kind of get the bodies away but still are near the water so that they're not Mm -hmm. they aren't found out in their little cave system that they're hiding in and he the way that rowan says it Selena is immediately like, how do you know this? And then she's like, there's someone in there. Like they have a fae in there with them, don't they? And it takes everything in both of them to not go down there and fight and get this fae out. But they know like they have to go back and warn the fortress. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to leave. Again, doesn't go well. Nope. They get intercepted by the creepy crawly that made Selena literally... And she gets away from him just, like, barely because she uses her fire and it kind of, like, hid from the fire. No. So they hatch this little plan and low-key, like, lure it to the skinwalkers. Where then it starts screaming. They're like, LOL, bye. But they don't sleep all night. They're, like, hiding in a tree, like, snuggled up together. And she's, like, safe in his arms. We see multiple points where she's like, he smells like snow and pine. 
And I ran straight into his arms and he was so strong. And we stayed snuggled up in the tree all night, feeling nice and safe. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, these like three skinwalkers are fighting the uh, freaky thing and destroy it. So then they go back to the fortress and they are getting the fortress prepared for battle, basically, because now the soldiers know that they're there. And now the soldiers know that it's like it's going to be. Yeah, it's go time. Um, So they go back. They try to prepare uh, the fortress and everybody. And it's just kind of it's just really sweet how you see these people band together because. Again, these, this is... I thought that was really loud. They're not really welcome in the Fey world, and they're not really welcome in the human world. So, um, yeah, they ask the king and the prince of Windland to send help. They know better than to ask Maeve for help. And oh, Selena yeah. says something to Rowan. She's like, you should ask your friends for help. And he's like, no, probably can't, because Maeve, they'll get in trouble with Maeve. But then he secretly does send word to them, and she finds out, and she's like... Like if he tells his friends and they'll have to tell Maeve and then Maeve will make him leave because of the blood oath. But he yeah. still secretly does it because he's a cutie pie. Yeah. And I feel like he also secretly knows like I can trust my guys. Mm-hmm. Can't really trust the blood oath. That's mm, but he knows he can trust them to kind of be sneaky. So they're preparing for war. And then Rowan wakes Elena up in the middle of the night and he's like, hey, someone betrayed us. They're on, huh? Saying they're dodging all our booby traps. Yeah, like they have gotten through all of the Fey defenses, and it's like, ah, mm, how? Who's they're approaching? Selena sees it's three of those weird, super white, weird guys with their black collars on, and she's like, um, one, two, three. Um, there should only be two of you because one of you was killed by the Skinwalkers, and then she's like, oh crap, that thing killed three skinwalkers mm-hmm. so we're screwed basically yeah there's the valg and their armies kind of like come up and they're like and so they're kind of dealing with that but then half the army freaking sneaks in through their escape tunnel so they've like for real for real been betrayed and so they're like yeah. fighting kind of on both fronts they're like sandwiched fighting from the inside and then Felina's like i gotta keep these guys out and so she tells Rose, she's like i like they're scared of fire I'm going to get out there and I'm going to put a firewall in front of the ward so they can get to it. And he's like, if you step outside, they're going to kill you. And she's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll be safe. And he's like, don't do anything stupid. Don't fight them. Don't do this. Don't do that. As if he has time in the middle of this battle. He's like, don't do this. Don't do that. She's As like, if yeah. she's going to listen to a word he says. But he kind of believes her, I guess, because he's like, okay. And then she does it. And she goes outside and she breaks every. Sorry. Um she's- holding up her shield and she's like fighting them with her flames and she thinks at one point she compares it to whenever she tried to tried to escape quote-unquote end of year that's what i was gonna say i have no intentions of making it alive yeah like my intention is to protect all these people and so she's fighting them she's doing so good and she's like getting deep into her power but she, I mean, she's exhausted. That's a lot of fighting. Like, she's physically and mentally and magically getting exhausted. But she sees all these very large, very spooky wild animals run up. And who are they? They're the cadre. The cadre. So it's Rowan's friends um, who are going to help the demi fight. And it's like, oh, yay, you all got away from Maeve. Yay, you came to help. 
Yeah. And Selena's like looking at him. She's like, they should really go in and help everybody. But there's like this teeny tiny piece of her that's like, is someone going to give me a hand? And no one does. Like, one of them, one of them like slows down and looks at her and is like, mm, you good? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'm good. Helpmate plays. But then he goes. But they're in there fighting. They find Rowan and they're doing their thing, which is super great, manly. And Selena's not doing well. She is on the edge of real burnout. Like, not not fire night burnout. Like, real burnout. And these little creatures, like, during her burnout are just, like, feasting on during her burnout. So, like, the shields go down. But it's weird because they don't even, like, worry about barging in. They're just like, ooh, let's, like, soak up her misery and, like... They're making her see her parents and Sam and Nima, and they're all basically taunting her with all of her worst memories. Yeah, and, and then she she does figure out that these are- Yeah. And while that's happening, Rowan runs into his friends, and he, like, also sees the shield go down. He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, I gotta go. And all of his friends are like, no, 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 no. She's dead. Like, you don't need to go. And all you're gonna do is hear your ex-mate or your mates, like, screaming at you, like... You do not need to go. She's dead. Leave her. He's like, no. Ah. Uh huh. He's like, just because she isn't there and I can hear her screaming, like that doesn't mean anything because Aelin is there and she is real and I need to save her. And so he busts in and then all of a sudden her fire comes back. He's like, wait, I thought she was, I thought she was like dead. I thought she was burnt out. But she found like some, her secret lady in waiting so one of the memories that they show her is the night her parents die and you see it in d king and the prince this is back when you know aelin's a little girl and she's in the palace with her father and her mom and her uncle who's the king at the moment and and adian haha um and the royals from otterland come and they're having dinner and she's like and uh, through dinner she's getting this really bad headache and then her power kind of starts to go out of control it feels like a worm crawling into her brain and she's screaming get out get out and her fire is going everywhere and everyone's like because the king of Ardalent, like notoriously doesn't like magic yeah so he's like i ain't staying here you freaks and her mom has to like basically drown her to get her to cool off yes oh my gosh yeah i forgot about that it is so sad because she's looking at her mom like please help me but also please stop and then the whole time her mom is like i'm sorry fireheart i'm sorry i'm sorry so to kind of appease everybody the aelin her mom her dad and her mom's lady-in-waiting lady marion they go to one of their like country estates and then it starts raining before that her and her parents are talking and she's kind of crying upstairs and she's with lady marion and lady marion's trying to make her feel better and lady marion is a leeds mom and she loves a lead so much and talks about how her and her mom are bffs and all these things and her mom comes up and kind of snuggles with her in bed and's like i'm sorry fireheart like i love you like it's okay and she gives her her <laughs> Amulet of Orient that's been passed down through generations that her mom is like, this will give you then she goes to sleep and her parents go to sleep and she wakes up in the middle of the night to crawl into bed with her mom. And she has to close the window after it's been raining. She climbs into the wet bed. And then she says, oh, it smells like copper and it smells metallic in here. This storm is really weird. Hmm." Then she wakes up to Lady Marion screaming. In the room, she wakes up and she sees her parents are slaughtered, like on either side. I can't. The king is dead. All 
And Lady Marion is like, well, we're just going to stay here. Like the captain and everyone will be here soon. But then um, Lady Marion's like, we'll jump. And Lady Marion's going to fight. She pulls like her daggers out of her. And, and then she- the, the intruder, La- she, see, she watches the intruder. This was. So she starts running. Yeah, she's running. She gets to the bridge, but the bridge has been cut. So she falls into the river and she's like tossed and turned and dragged through it. And she feels like, like, I don't like, she doesn't know how she survived it. But whenever she gets up, the ambulance's gone. And she's like, well, this ambulance didn't do me any good. My parents are fucking dead. Everyone's dead. But maybe it protected me because I'm alive, but I don't, even at eight, she's kind of like, I don't, why me? Kind of a thing. Yeah. But- that's when Arvor and Hamill finds her and takes her in. So that's those are the memories that get dredged up whenever the creepy crawly valves are deep in her brain. Yeah. And this causes her, I mean, obviously she's feeling immense sorrow, but then she's also like, I cannot let that sacrifice or Nehemia's sacrifice or my parents' sacrifice, like I cannot let them go to waste. And so a little bit of power, but she is like for real on the edge of like real burnout at this point. And this is when yeah. Rowan's running up, not all these things. And he cuts his hand open and he and Selena's like, I expected it this whole time. Where um Karnam, Karnam, Kanarum. Basically where they can share power. So by like physically, like he cuts his hand, she cuts her hand, they put their hands together. She can like delve into his well of power. And that is when she kills all the bad guys. Yay! Yay! And then he kind of scoops her up and takes her in and takes care of her. And they're having a really cute moment in the, you know, to whatever end, all the goodies. But the thing that kills me the most is whenever he's like, did any of my friends stop to help you? She's like, what? Meh. And you can see how mad he is. Like, protective fey boy. Just like. Yeah. yeah. Um, he takes her back and she, you know, heals up and everyone's kind of fixing up the fortress from the surprise attack. And everyone, everyone that we know is okay. So it's okay. We're, we're, we're good. Um, so she is, as she's like talking through these things with Rowan, she realizes oh, the amulet of Orinth, it protected me. How else could the the leaders of Terrasen get such power and such, uh, like, a, such a reputation for being so good and amazing? And she's like, the word keys are not inherently good or bad. They just have power and they will help whoever wields them. So for the king of Otterland, that means they help destroy things. And for Terrasen, it means they help protect and keep things good she's like oh i all she says is she's like i know where the third word key is but she can't say it to rowan because Maeve could force him to tell her where it is so she keeps it to herself for a second which is (laughs) fair it's valid and then they kind of alludes to like i get it like if i didn't have to go back to Maeve, if i could stay Maeve is the worst which oh my god knew because selena's parents have been keeping her away from Maeve and keeping her powers a secret for so long and at this point it all starts to really really click or or it's been clicking and selena just now tells us but she's like yeah Maeve lives in a stone city surrounded by water with rivers running through it she's fucking scared of me mm-hmm. she's scared Hell of yeah me. she's scared of me she's scared of map as she should be wanted to see my power because she wanted to know if if i'm a threat 
Mm-hmm. And so when Maeve's like, show me your power, and Selena's like, eh, whatever, tell me about the word keys. And this lady is so not helpful. She's like, oh, there's three of them, and they're like slivers of stone, and you can't destroy them. You just put them back in the in the thing. I wish I still had all of them. I had all three, and I didn't do anything good with them. What a bummer. And Selena's like, hmm, hmm, thanks for no information, you unhelpful lady. I just worked so because she's she asks Aelin, um, tries to get information from Aelin, and she's like, um, I, I, oh, she literally says she's like, not for all the world would I tell you where the third word key is, and Maeve is like, yeah, I know, and then she forces the other members of the cadre to grab Rowan, hold him down, and whip him until. She thinks that she thinks that this is going to get Aelin to tell her where the word key is. Yeah. And she's like, so I know you won't tell me for all the world, but will you tell me for Prince Rowan? And I'm like, no. No. And you can just see in Rowan's face that like Maeve has done something like this before. Like she's hurt him before and she will hurt him again. And she's so abusive and she's horrible and terrible. And Selena fucking pissed. And so she erupts into fire. She makes the rivers like run into fire and all these things. And she's like, I will burn you to the ground. And Maeve's like, LOL, my fortress is made out of stone. She's like, not your people. Oh, she collapsed. Collapsed back. Your people aren't burn. Oh, And Maeve, it says, like, goes pale, which is crazy because they describe Maeve as pale already. So she must be, like, ghost white. There are multiple times in this conversation where you can see, like, oh, Aelin's got her. Oh, hell yeah. Little plan here with Rowan. She brings out the ring that she has that belonged to Maeve, bitch, but whatever. Aelin, like, exposes her before that. She's like, they took the word keys from you and they hid them. And that's why everything happened. And, like, you're bad. That's why they hid the word keys from you. Yeah. Like exposes her and roasts her, yeah. But still, even after that, Maeve's like, "I love that lover, and I want that ring so bad." You can see the desk as a bargaining chip. She's like, "You can have this ring, but you." She, she lets Maeve see this memory or this image yeah. that the Valg princes put in her head, and it's not a memory, but it's a future, like a future that is possible. And it's crazy reading this after. Reading the whole reading scene. the whole thing, you're like, oh my gosh! It just I have, I have this power. I'm gonna be this great, great thing. I'm gonna be basically like your worst nightmare. Like I'll be your biggest enemy. And Maeve's like, oh shit, oh shit. And so ultimately, they bargain with the ring, and Maeve does free him of his oath, which is so great. But then Rowan immediately is like on his knees and is like cutting open Aelin's hand. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you don't have to do that. Please do not take the blood oath to me. Do not do that. He's like, LOL, no, this is the best way. Like, do it now. And they're kind of having this argument almost like with their eyes because Aelin's like, well, I guess I can't look weak until you know. Let's just do that. And so now Rowan has a blood oath to Aelin. Yay. Yay. He's stuck with her forever. And they obviously leave Doranel. They're figuring out their next plan. And Aelin's like, I kind of wish you hadn't done that, but you kind of forced my hand there. But I'm going to go back to Ardalan and you can't come because there's no magic there. And I don't know if you noticed this, but you have fangs and pointy ears. 
you got to stay here. He's like, well, I could just be a hawk. And she's like, and do what? Eat rats? Like, you can't do anything there. You'll be stuck as a hawk. Don't follow me. He's like, ugh, fine. I'll go back to Mistward and help them rebuild. She's like, great. Good idea. I'll send word whenever I need you. And she she's heading back to Ardlin. Back to Riftle. That's where we leave. Oh, Our because faith- she knows. She has to get her amulet. She has to go back to uh, Alderlin because she knows that that's where the word key is and that uh, Arabin Hamill has it because he took the amulet of Orinth from her and has hidden it all this time. So, crazy. All right, now it's time for... This it's is, fun. like, the big, dramatic, like, ending of the book. So like, It's like last time. Like, there's not a lot. Like, they're in love. They're learning things. There is a cool part where Dorian and actually Kale have a conversation, and they figure out that the towers, so the clock tower in Riftold, the tower in Marath, and the one in, uh, I forget the word. There's another tower, and that, that is what's stopping the magic, and they kind of do a demonstration of Dorian doing it with, like, crystals, and they set up the crystal and no. it freezes the water. Null. Null's the other tower. And so they find out that's why. And they're like, well, we got to knock down a tower, I guess. I don't know how to do that. Easy and peasy. That, all that happens in Dorian's story until the end. Him and Sorcia are snuggling. They're so cute. And Chaos is making plans to get them out because he's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but we need an escape route. Oh, because um, because of Aelin's, uh, Selena's big, when she destroyed the Valg princes, the news spread across the world so fast that Aelin Galathinius is alive. And Kaol is like, if the king finds out that Aelin is Selena and Dorian and I were friends with Selena, we're dead. We got to get out of here. And Aelin's like, well, fuck. Yeah. This could be real good or real bad for me. Not uh-huh. good. Uh-huh. So they all get called to the throne Everyone's separate, like Kaol separate, Adian separate, Sorsha and Dorian. Like Dorian runs in and he's like, Sorsha, you gotta leave. And Sorsha's like, I'm not leaving without you. Like you can come with me or not. He's like, Well, I can't go, but you have to. And they're having this conversation. And then freaking the mean nurse is like, Neither of y'all are going anywhere. Actually, you've both been requested to come to the throne room. And I freaking hate that mean nurse. But they all go. And the king's like, hmm, I have gathered you all here today. Because you're all a bunch of liars. <laughs> and he's like, how interesting is it that my biggest, baddest, spookiest general is throwing parties and spending tons of money, but is never there. And then all of a sudden, he's BFS with my captain, even though y'all hate each other? Interesting. Kind of great that y'all are spending so much time together, slinking around in the dark. Mm-hmm. And our nurse here is sending out intel. About all of our whereabouts, spying on you, Dorian. Hope you didn't love her because you've been sleeping with the rabble again. His exact words. Yeah. Uh, he does say rabble. He's like, yeah. Just with the rabble. I'm like, oh. And he's just ripping everyone a new one and they're like, Ooh. And he's like, who did it? Who ratted? It's like the informant. And Adian's like, it's me. I'm the informant. Like, don't get anybody else. It's me. It's me. He's like, oh, great. Thanks for confessing. Now you're going to go to prison. And I'm not going to execute you right away. I'm going to let you suffer because hopefully somebody comes across the sea and wants to be at your execution and pretend to try to save you. No, I'll get you both. So that's spooky. Ruh-roh. 
And then Kale is trying to step in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the king's just basically like, shut up. You're literally going to anneal. Like, don't cause problems. Don't leave here on a bad reputation. And then Dorian's like yelling at his dad. And he's like, Whoa. And then it's Sorsha. Sorsha's like, I... Well, she didn't say anything, but like, it's Sorsha. Yeah, you find out she... In the in the book, she's writing letters to her friend because her friend is very interested in the palace. And her friend ends up being Rin Allsbrook. Mm-hmm. And she does say to the king, she's like, you destroyed my people. You destroyed my home. I hate you. Um, And Dorian is like, oh, what? Like, but she oh. says like I never would I never would do that to you. It's just your father. And Dorian Loki is like, mm, yeah, he's he's a bad guy. He he do be the worst. And as Dorian thinking, he do be the worst and Adian's about to get dragged out to prison. The king cuts Horsha's head off. Oh, and I screamed and cried the first time I read this because uh this whole book, you spend the whole time with Dorian like Oh, he's found this wonderful woman that loves him and is going to help him with his magic. Oh. Beautiful foreshadowing. Like when Kaol tells Sorsha before, he's like, our kingdom could use a queen as a healer. And just like all these beautiful things. Like you think they're going to run away together and that they're eventually going to become this king and queen. But they don't because Sorsha dies. It's so sad. Obviously... Homie G Dorian loses it. He like screams. He's like trying. He acts like he can try to like put the pieces back together, like which gives me a traumatizing image. But then he explodes, and someone shoots an arrow at Kale, right? And Dorian freezes it in midair with his. It's like he knew what was happening the whole time and was just waiting yeah. for them. And whenever he realizes that Dorian has magic and, like, it's proven, he's like, perfect. I've got good uses for you, kid. And he puts a collar, a black collar, on Dorian. And that is that is where we leave him. And he, it's described as, like, his brain goes fuzzy and, like, he's trying to stay, but he can't. And that that's where we are. Our sweet lover boy Dorian is collared. Adian is in prison. Kaol is just. Hey, Kaol. at least Kaol escapes with Fleetfoot, okay? <laughs> He'd be running with Fleetfoot. So. He's got priority straight. And then he meets up with Rin and he's like, this is the lowdown. Like, y'all gotta get out of here. Galen's yeah. on her way back. Rowan is not on his way back because he's a spooky, spooky boy. Manon is. Oh, and Manon is headed for Morath. Yeah, they're they're leaving. They're going to Morath. She got like her her first orders as wing leader, and she and her coven have to head to Morath, which is where one of the towers is. It's one of where one of the towers is. Rowan, Altane, and Duke Parrington. That's where they are. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of where everyone is. Yeah, but. I have bad news, everybody. <laughs> I knew you were going to say get, something like that. We don't get to figure out anything. We don't get to see if Dorian's okay. Because you know what we have to do? We have to backtrack and read the sequels. <laughs> I, I am so 
Okay, because the first time I read this series, I was so excited to read Assassin's Blade. But now, Queen of Shadows is my favorite. So now I'm like, shit, I gotta read this first. Upon thinking about it, after this reread, I had a really strong opinion about the rereading order. And I I do still feel like it's correct. What we said, like, Air of Fire, then Assassin's Blade. Yeah. But... It wouldn't kill you if you read Assassin's Blade before Air of Fire because it has such a good ending. But reading, it's kind of like at the end of Empire of Storms. Then you have to read Kingdom Rush and you're like, even though it's not bad, it's just like you want to know what happens after Empire of Storms. Oh, yeah. Tower of Dawn. Tower of Dawn. Because you want to get to Kingdom of Ash. Yeah. And Tower of Dawn is so big. And it kind of motivates you to keep on cruising because you know that you got to find out what's going on on the other side. That's Assassin's Blade right now. Assassin's Blade is good, and Assassin's Blade is heartbreaking, but now I want to get to Queen of Shadows. Yeah, like the the cliffhangers, and also, I think, knowing, like, where the characters go and what we have in store for them, and for their little, like, the new court that they're forming for Terrison, how amazing it is, you just are itching to get there. But... We got a thing thrown up glass. So this actually happened way before, which is so interesting because we do get to see more of the assassin in Selena and less of like the fake queen. So it's just, it's a very interesting perspective. And it's cool how like the groundwork was laid all these years ago. So the first one is the assassin and the pirate lord. And that's when we go to the pirate islands and we get to meet Sam, who we've heard so much about all these things. And then we have the assassin and the healer, which will introduce... A character or two, maybe, that you might see at another time. And it's kind of like the aftermath of the Pirate Lord story, which rolls directly into the Assassin and the Desert, where we meet again more characters that we'll see later. And Selena learns so many cool things about... <laughs> and then after the Desert, she comes back and it's the Assassin in the Underworld, which is her back and Riftold, kind of like dealing with the circumstances of her life. We see more of Sam here. And then the last one is the Assassin in the Empire, which is directly before she goes to End of Year. So it's quick. I think it all takes course over like a year or so. And it's so good. And it's just like little snack size bites. It's true. So that's what we have to look forward to next time. It'll be fun. I promise. Please read it, guys. Don't ignore it. Call her out. Adorable. I love her. All right. So if you want to read this next buddy read with us, follow us on the Storygraph and we will add you to our buddy read. You can follow us at P431. And Sydney, S-I-D-N-E-Y underscore W33. And you can also follow our Instagram and our TikTok at Let's Get Booked Up Pod. Follow along with all of the things that we're reading, rating, reviewing, talking about. All bookish things. All the bookish things. So we will see you guys next time as we talk about our next buddy read and all of our currently reads and maybe even some things that we've been reading. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time. I'm Peyton. And I'm Sydney.